This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. I think it really comes down to having the right attitude from the start. And, um, you know, clients can smell fear. If you can't say your prices to them when they're standing in front of you with confidence, they'll think you're a fraud. So, you know, I think the biggest thing with people coming into the industry is they don't believe in themselves or don't think what they're doing is something of value. Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business, to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real-life stories of how other photographers run their business, and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get started. Hey guys, now is your chance to check out all of the incredible photography education we have available for you at theportraitsystem.com. For only $7, you will get access to over 1,000 videos, including pricing, posing, marketing, lighting, sales, inspiring photo shoots, self-value, and more. Yes, you'll get your first month for only $7 when you become a pro member, and you'll get access to the full download library with posing guides and workbooks and so much more. Also, this includes a pricing calculator, a studio startup timeline, our weekly live broadcasts, including Sue Bryce's live talks, access to our private members-only Facebook groups, special discounts on photography products, and so much more. Head over to theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7 to get your first month for only $7. That's theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7. This week, it is such an honor to have Tony Carter on the Portrait System podcast. Tony is a highly awarded photographer based in New Zealand, and he has been in this career for over 30 years, and Tony shares so much incredible knowledge during this entire episode. Tony has photographed tons of different genres, including weddings, families, and portraits in general, but there's something really special about his documentary work. We talked through how he creates his thought-provoking images, and we also talked about how he does not offer digitals to his clients. Instead, Tony focuses on wall art and other print products, and this has been the way of his business since he started. Okay, I am so excited for you to learn so much from the amazing Tony Carter. Let's get started. Hi, Tony. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for being here on The Portrait System. I've been waiting to have you. This has been a long time coming. 
Yeah, I've been following the uh, podcast and yeah, it's awesome. just great to be here. Thank you. Well, for people listening, I just if they don't know you for whatever reason, Tony is just a highly awarded photographer, particularly in, in Australia and New Zealand. But you're also a portrait master's judge and just, I mean, you've been doing this forever and you're just, it's awesome. Thank you. Yes, this is my 30th year as a professional um, portrait photographer. First started sort of doing weddings, you know, as the main source of income, but then just slowly moved over into portraits. Yeah, so yeah, 30, 30 years in the game. Yeah, so great. Now, you're in New Zealand, so tell, tell us where in New Zealand. I'm in the North Island of New Zealand on the west coast in a, a small province called Taranaki. So we have a, a mountain here that looks a little bit like Mount Fuji. But I'm, I'm actually just about ready to move down to the South Island and starting a new business down there ah. with my partner in Christchurch. Very cool. Does that have to do with photography? Yes, it's with my partner, Catherine Williams, who's a, a portrait photographer like myself, but also specialises in documentary projects just like myself, really. Very cool. We just had the our kind of bonus category in the Portrait Masters Awards last round was documentary, and you got to be, you know, the first judge to have a crack at it. And was that fun for you? Oh, it was. It was. It was really interesting. It's one of those things where, you know, it takes a, a lot of thought with documentary work. You really have to look at it very hard and see where, you know, what sort of angle the photographer's coming from. And um, yeah, it was just. It was just really interesting. And it's. I'm you know, hoping it's going to sort of take off and, you know, have its own place mm-hmm. at, at Portrait Masters. Yeah, I hope so too, because it really is a special type of photography. It, it's just. I feel like it's very powerful. You know, it's just, there's just something about it that really just brings the viewer in, if, if it's done well. I mean, it's it's just such a great category. It is, and it's it's just such a, a wide range of images that can be put into something like that. Um, you know, I, I sort of think, because for me, it's it's coming from a personal side, so doing personal projects and, and documenting people's lives. But you can also carry that on into your into your business as well and shoot in a different style. So, mm-hmm. you know, keep changing things up and doing something a bit different. Absolutely. Before I was a professional photographer, I, I traveled quite a bit. I was, I was a school social worker and I had summers off. And I always took advantage of that and would travel just around the world to different countries. And, you know, I, I kind of wish that I had had a professional, you know, camera and knew what I was doing back then. I just had my point and shoot and just kind of, you know, but it would have been it would have been really cool all those countries I traveled to if I knew what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling only too well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I might have this wrong, but I believe you were named the New Zealand Professional Photographer of the Year six times. Do I have that number right? Uh, it's seven times. Seven. Okay, I've so, wondered if you yeah. didn't update your website or something. <laughs> I'm counting. Okay, seven times. That's incredible. Now I assume that it didn't start as you were named right away professional photographer of the year or have you always been this good? <laughs> uh, well, look, because I've been around for 30 years, I probably spent the first maybe five or six years of my business career not really doing a lot of awards, that sort of thing, but just just, just still following it. But um, yeah, once I started my own business, I really started to really just concentrate on the awards as as something that you know gets your name out there, mm-hmm. tell, tells your clients that you mean business and that you're you're good at what you do, and just wanting to do things on a, a higher level. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about is is being awarded. You know, as you are, do you find that that helped 
kind of grow your business on the client end? Like, yes, of course, it helps get your name out in the industry, in our industry. But, you know, overall, how have you found that it affected your client work? When I first started entering the awards, I was doing it probably a 50-50 split of my personal work and also wedding work. So I, I sort of found that entering weddings really put pressure on me to perform on the day. So, and you just keep wanting to learn new things, put something out there that's contemporary and just learning new styles. So I believe in, you know, once you do win awards, your clients love that as well. It's not something you need to hang your hat on, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that's good for personal growth. It's good for, you know, charging a lot of money with your clients. Mm -hmm. So they they know Mm -hmm. that you're, you're worth it, you know, valuing what you do. Yeah, very cool. Now, take us back to when you first started. You know, what what got you into photography in the first place? Well, I, I used to race motocross, um, oh, you know, cool. dirt track bikes when I was a young person and and I had a bit of an accident and I damaged my knee. Ooh. So I couldn't really race again properly after that, but what I, I still like going so and watching. So from, from there, I sort of just picked up a camera and started, you know, basically shooting by feel with a an old Yashica Mac camera with you know no light meter in it or anything just um, back in the film days and just and just shot mm-hmm. you know from a, a very close viewpoint and it's so, so it sort of started my interest in photography started from that but I suppose I've always had jobs where I was dealing with people and a, a natural curiosity with people so so I soon find myself wanting to shoot people and. Really, I, I wanted to do that professionally from a from a very early age. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you say, well, okay, it's not funny that you hurt yourself. That's not funny at all. But my husband rides BMX, big dirt jumps. And he actually came to New Zealand riding there. Uh, when was that? A couple years ago. When was okay. that? What year was that? Anyway, riding some huge dirt jumps in New Zealand. We actually just had a couple of Kiwis staying with us that came over to ride uh, his jumps here at our house. But my point in telling you this is that was what when one of them is hurt, which someone's always hurt, that's what they do. It's they're kind of in charge <laughs> of video and photos and that sort of thing. And and that keeps them it keeps them into into the sport. Exactly what you said. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. And, you know, when you do have an interest in something, you know, that's when you get good at it, isn't it? When you can photograph something that you know and understand mm-hmm. and are passionate about, you know, that's taking it to the next level. Yeah. It's cool that you said that you know, you kind of always wanted to do this from a young age. I think a lot of people don't have that kind of understanding or, or even, you know, wherewithal that you can make this a, a creative, you know, p- passion like this into a business. So, yeah, it's cool. Yes. I mean, I wasn't really young. I was probably about 25. So I sort of wandered through life a little bit aimlessly to start with, but just having jobs where I was just dealing with the general public. And I, and I just, I just quite like that people contact thing. So, so it sort of naturally progressed from being an amateur photographer and just always shooting something, you know, onto getting an apprenticeship mm-hmm. type thing with a photographer that had been around for 40 years, which was really, really quite an interesting way to get into you know, the wedding and portrait market because my old boss, Margaret Bake, who's in her 80s now, she needed to have somebody help her because she was losing her eyesight, but she still wanted to be out there in, in the fray photographing and, and doing weddings. So 
So back then in the early 90s, 1990s, it was all form cameras and, you know, medium format mm-hmm. form cameras. So so I basically started helping her out on Saturdays and being her eyes and, you know, the person who did everything really and she just directed. So, wow. So, and she sort of did that by feel because she couldn't see – she couldn't see if somebody blinked or whatever. So right. I, I sort of, so that that's sort of how I, I learnt. And I, I soon discovered that, you know, photography is not necessarily about what you see, it's what you feel and, and the energy that you give out. And you know, especially with people, it's a, you know, it's a true exchange, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Have you ever had your own apprentice? <laughs> no, I haven't really. Um, I'm a bit of a lone shooter like that. And I haven't, I, trained a few people on the side and, and helped out, but I've never really gone down that track as far as um, having having somebody assist me. I tend to be all over the place when I was doing weddings, and I've, I've just sort of kept to myself as a portrait photographer. Yeah. Now, okay, so you said you did weddings for a long time. What made you decide to swap over into the, the portrait world? Well, I, I think, you know, weddings were – something that were easy to find uh, you know everybody's yeah. looking for a wedding photographer um but the so and you know i found that to be a great a great grounding you know where you turn up at a wedding and you have to just keep thinking on your feet you know mm-hmm. you have to be a documentary photographer you have to be a an organizer you're it's you know you know we, weddings are such a big theater so you're sort of like the conductor and, mm-hmm. and, and everything can't you so but it, but it's also um as you get a bit older you sort of think oh well you know i don't want to be doing that every saturday in the summertime yeah uh, for long periods so and uh, you know i found just a natural pro- progression to sort of move over more into portraits where you're spending an hour an hour and a half with a client on a shoot and then and selling and i also found that it was as an easier way to make money and if you know how to market, you can get the clients. So you're not sort of sharing clients with other people like you do with weddings where, you know, they might go and interview two or three photographers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, portraits, you create your own market. And, yeah, I found that quite liberating. Yeah. Give us a picture of, of the last, when you started portraits anyway, of what your what your business looks like. Like, do you have a studio? Is it all outdoors? Do you, you know, what, like, who is your market? Like, kind of just give us an overview. Sure. Where I live at the moment, it's a province with about 120,000 people. So, so it's not, it's not huge, but it's also, you know, quite rich farming country. So, and also um, we've, had you know offshore oil produced here so so we've had a a, quite a good microclimate over the last 20 years of of having some you know reasonably well-off people in the area my my business has always been based around having a studio and in a selling space so i don't sell digital files now and i and i've never gone down the the road of doing packages or doing anything cheap really to be honest i've sort of always had a belief that i wanted to deal with the top end of the market the top you know 20 percent of people and I've, I've always marketed to that so you know i've got a studio space now that i own and um you know standalone business close to the central business district in new plymouth mm-hmm. and you know, I've, I've gone from renting studios to, to owning my own, really. So I have worked from home as well, and I didn't really like that very much. So, yeah, I prefer to have a, a business space that when people walk in here, 
you look like the real deal mm-hmm. and they can you, you, they can look around and see my personal projects and they can look around and see my client work. Yeah, that's cool. I can hear people out there who are listening like, what do you mean he doesn't give digitals? <laughs> How does he not give digitals? So like walk us through that that process. Like, well, one, did you ever give digitals? And two, you know, well, start there. Did you ever give digitals? So no, I've, I've just I've never really gone down that track. I mean, um, if I get inquiries, and to be honest, my business is 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 all about being the marketing really. So I don't have a lot of people getting hold of me asking me what my packages are. So I've never sold digital files as such. I sort of base my business on people having a legacy product, something that's going to be on their wall forever. Okay. And you know, I've sort of just had held that belief. And saying that, if I have a client that you know spends you know four or five thousand dollars or whatever, I'll give them social media files, but but I don't let them just have the digital files that they can go and print themselves. Yep. So all all the print, the wall art, everything is through you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So I'm, I'm, yeah. So it's, I'm really a, just a, a. I like to think of you know I'm selling a product, you know a high end product. And I have total control over how that looks and how how it's you know presented out there in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So when they come back into your studio after the after the shoot is done, is that something you do immediately after the shoot? Or are you taking some time to do any editing and printing things, or how does how does that look? What I do with that, I, I tend to I don't like to do it quickly because to me that looks like it's just a bit mm-hmm. too easy, and you're not taking Agreed. care. Normally, what I would do is I would, when I do the, you know, the most of my portraits are taken outside. Although I do have studio facilities, I prefer the out in nature or, or somewhere special to them. But but when I do the actual uh, photography session, I will generally book them for the next week, really, and if I can, try to try to book them at that stage. So you know, it's, it's easy, it's sort of an easy way of doing it while they're in front of you. And, and yes, so then they come back to my studio and I might have taken three or four hundred images and I might narrow it down to, you know, 40, 40 or 50 or just whatever. And then they sit down in my studio and they have a projected viewing through, a you know, a data projector. Okay. Awesome. All right. So let's go back to talk about marketing because you mentioned that you get most of your, your clients through marketing. What type of marketing works best? I like to do a mixture of things, um, you know, through social media channels, but I also like going to country fairs, trade shows, trade shows that are pointed towards, you know, women. I do quite a bit of um, makeover work as well as family mm-hmm. portraits. So so I, I just tr- truly like to sort of mix up all those things. And now with my uh, new business with my partner, we'll be doing some, you know, quite different marketing through that. Um, that sort of gets us around New Zealand as well. So I can hear people kind of saying like, oh, everyone that just, you know, they call me and they want like the digitals or the package or whatever. So do, are you using specific language within your marketing that is kind of pushing people towards the legacy wall art and that sort of thing? I do. Um, with anything I put out there, it really spells out that, you know, the, that this is what your investment will start from sort of thing. But I also have my business model hasn't really changed a lot, and whereas you're still having people coming into your studio through 
a voucher system or you know something that you you're giving them as a as a prize or or you know some some big carrot that you're dangling mm-hmm. in front of them to make them come in i know that's not everybody's cup of tea i find if i can get people in my studio generally i can sell to them yeah you said you do do a some sort of system right to get them in like dangling yes, I do. yeah okay i just want to make sure i heard that right yep yeah. okay cool sure yeah i i find that to be very effective too that's how i got off the ground with my business is I, you know, I gave gift vouchers and then I kept giving them and kept giving them. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe I don't need to give them anymore as much. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, wait a minute. My, you know, my, I started to feel more confident and that sort of thing. But I mean, like, have you found one specific thing that works the best to get people in? Sometimes I think it's um, people, they might see you, they might know who you are. Um, So making sure that people understand that, you know, that you're really good at what you do and they're going to get something special. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They also know that they're going to have a good time. Yeah. Um, and then quite often, because I've been around for a while, they've also seen my work in their friends' homes or, or somewhere else or they've been to a, a, an exhibition. So I think it's sort of more about exciting them and wanting them to have a piece of you in, the, in a way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, every, so much of what you're saying is, is so important. It, it's like, I think sometimes people think they can just kind of sit behind the computer and hope people are going to come. <laughs> but it sounds like you have really done a great job of getting your name out there and just, I mean, networking, I guess, for a lack of a better word, just really putting yourself out there and being part of the community and, and everything. Yes, I, I think it really comes down to having the right attitude from the start. And, um, you know, clients can s- smell fear. If you can't say your, you know, your prices to them when they're standing in front of you with confidence, they'll think you're a fraud. So, so, mm-hmm. so it's, it's really, a, you know, I think the biggest thing with people coming into the industry is they don't believe in themselves or don't think what they're doing is something of value. I mean, yeah. you know, portraits are such a, a valuable thing to clients. You know, so, so it's really about valuing what you do, believing in it and being able to really put that across to people. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and I was kind of wondering that when you said, if I get them in, I know I can sell to them. And I feel like that comes with confidence. Like you have to have that confidence and, and just value what you do and love what you do in order to, to sell. That's right. And, and yeah. I mean, n- not everybody that comes into my studio spends, you know, sometimes you do end up giving something away, but but it's really not getting hung up about that. Sometimes, you know, that, that can be just something, the stage of life those people are at. Um, sure, sure. So I sort of think it's, it's, it's really just looking and saying, well, you know, maybe um, two out of 20 don't spend or, or whatever, and just really looking at the numbers and thinking, well, the, you know, that's okay. Yeah, law of averages for sure. Yeah. For sure. Just like not everyone's going to book, not everyone's going to spend. You That's know, right. It just happens sometimes. Is, do you have like a, I don't know, like a specific sales system that you use or, you know, something you do the same of every time or do you just kind of mix it up depending on who's in front of you and, you know, as you get to know them? What I've done probably forever is I've, along one wall in my studio, my viewing room, my viewing area, I have portraits along the wall in different sizes. And re- really, when I'm doing the sales, I just start, 
you know, with the the largest portrait and and work my way down mm-hmm. and say this is this much. Just go through the list and then I just I watch them. I just say the prices and then I, I sit back a little bit and generally the, the next person who talks is the person who's buying the images. So <laughs> so it's just one of those things where I'm quite low key in in my the way I operate and um, so I'm not, I'm not I'm not pushy. I'm not a pushy salesperson. But you know, there, there's sort of quiet ways you can you can sort of push them in the right direction. You know how you size the images on the wall, or how you know what what you want them to buy. And sometimes it might be a series of images, or but just just about, about being passionate about certain images that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. And I sort of find that um, I find myself more and more explaining to them you know, why I like a certain image. And, you know, a lot of that's probably come down to my, what I've learned as a judge. If you can explain to them why what they're looking at is so good, then, you know, they'll buy into it. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, you have to be telling the truth if it's if it's not the truth. Yes, good point. Yeah. Uh-huh. It has to feel, they're going to they're gonna smell you, smell the in, ingenuity, <laughs> wait, what's that word? Not ingenuine. You know what I mean? Like if you're not being yes, genuine, so, yeah. they're going to know. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this is interesting. I'm, you know, I'm trying to uh, imagine it. It's like, you know, if you take the packages out of it, you take the digitals out of it, you just have these like gorgeous, I, I hate to use the word samples, but samples like hanging in your studio all in. And then you're just saying, okay, which one do you want your photos to be on? I mean, it's just all these physical, tangible things they can touch and take home. Yeah. That's right. It's, it's um, I think, I think a lot of photographers nowadays they they don't think like a, a retail shop, and I think yes, I th- you know I think it's like anything. A lot of photographers can think they're competitive with other photographers, whereas to me you're not. I think you're competing with getting the money out of them before they go and buy a new couch or 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 whatever. You you just you have to think like a retailer and 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 show your products. And you know, if, if if you can show the products, they are of value to them. They'll they'll, they'll buy them. Ah, people, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, people buy what they see, don't they? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. God, that's so important what you just said. And and I'm the first to admit that I don't sell a whole lot of wall art. I just I just ha- I haven't. But I know I'm leaving so much money on the table, <laughs> so much money on the table. But for people who you know to to sell that artwork, exactly what you just said. Think of yourself as a retail store. I yes, love yeah. that. Yeah. And if, if you want to people to buy big pictures, have big pictures mm-hmm, in the studio. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't show anything smaller than a 20 by 14 inch, I suppose you could say. So um, if they if they want to see smaller, I'll go and drag something out, but I, I don't want them to buy those, so so don't show them, really. Yeah. Do you do any sort of like albums or, um, you know, coffee table books or anything like that, or is it mostly just on the wall? No, definitely. I, I do folio boxes and um, legacy albums. You know, sometimes, you know, people don't have the wall space, and that's, you know, something you hear quite commonly when people don't want to spend money. Oh, I don't have much wall space. <laughs> Well, so, so, you know, you have to have products that might fit into a smaller area, like, you know, you might have a triptych framed that's horizontal and vertical. So if, if it does, you know, you can fit a, a triple framed image that's vertical into lots of gaps in the house, whereas horizontally it can be a lot harder. So, 
But um, yeah, so selling um, your yeah, folio boxes and making sure you've got enough images to be able to you know sell a, a box of ten or fifteen or twenty, as you know, as well as legacy albums and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Are there specific product companies that you use? I sort of changed a, a little bit. I have used a lot of New Zealand-based ones, but just um, you know, with with Graphy and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, awesome. yeah. So very cool. I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to hear more about your documentary work. And okay, at first, my first instinct is like, oh, you just have to capture the moment, you know, candidly. But but I feel like there's more to it. You know, like is it that simple that you just have to look for it? And capture the moment. Documentary is is such a, a, a can be a big range of types of images. F- photojournalism is more about capturing something that is just happening in front of you. With with documenting, you know, documentary it can be photographing somebody in their natural environment. You know, so it could be really candid mm-hmm. in that environment, or it could be something a bit more directed to a certain degree. And you know some of the the most famous um, documentary photographers in the world, you, you know, definitely um, directed people into positions where they photograph them. So okay, so um, it's it's not so, okay. So there is a big difference there between the photo photo journalism and documentary. So you, it doesn't have to be just untouched moment. It it just has to be in the natural environment. That's that's how I treat okay, it. Gotcha. And I suppose the beauty with photography is there's no rules. Mm-hmm. Well, there so are, but we can break them. <laughs> I break them <laughs> well, all that, Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So if, if someone really wants to sort of steer their work more towards the documentary style, like, you know, what's your best advice for people in order to, you know, make it look really cool? I think if you, there's sort of two aspects to it for me. There's my documentary personal work which um, can be quite project based and I had an exhibition of a, a small town of people in New Zealand here in a place called Ohura and um, you know that's that's taken me around the world I've talked about it at Portrait Masters I've had two exhibitions in China of it it's you know it's it's been uh, through media channels where it's had over 20 million views so sometimes it might just be following your passion for something and seeing where it leads. And I think it comes from a curiosity with that type of work and, and just what, what you like to do. Like when I'm not doing client work, I, I, I'm still out there with a camera shooting personal work. And it's it's just sort of more flowed into a documentary sense. But I think the, you know, as far as client work goes, uh, for, for me, it's even with our new business, we're sort of starting to really sort of find a, a, a niche for, for doing more series work and, and, and photographing people in their own homes and, and just getting natural reactions out of people or just trying to find more of a natural sort of type of image that is contemporary. So, so, but, you know, a lot of that sort of work can come about from doing your own personal projects mm-hmm. and, and finding your own niche what you like doing and then putting that over you know carrying that on into your into your business um, side of things as well I'm looking through the project that you have listed on your website I'm sorry I'm gonna say the name wrong Ohura did I say that right that's right okay yes it's these are so interesting to me like there's the one with the bear skin on the wall is that a bear a uh, guy uh, it's actually a deer 
Oh, a deer skin. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that wouldn't be a bear. Not in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now that I'm looking at it, it's not even the color of a bear. So, um, but but the the composition that you have here is just so cool. Just the way you laid it out, you know, with the the hole in the wall, and it's it's so it's like telling a story. There's a hole in the wall on one side. You know, just the look on his face, and then you have the deer skin. It's just everything about it. And as I'm flipping through, there's another one here of the guy in the kind of, you know, lazy boy chair. I don't know if you call them lazy boys over there, but yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. okay. Lazy Richard and I, Richard Wood and I, are always on Voxer. Do you know what Voxer is? It's like a walkie-talkie where you talk back and forth because we do award stuff together and you know brainstorm whatever. Anyways, sometimes he'll say something. I'm like, what? The f- what does that mean? And or I'll <laughs> say something, and he'll be like, oh, I haven't heard that one before. Anyway, so. I was just like to clarify. Okay, so he's sitting in this kind of recliner-looking chair with his dog, and there's just so much happening around him that is so, I don't know, it just tells such a story. And then the family here, the one of um, where there's like their laundry hanging. Sure. With the, like, there's just so much you can see in each of these. Yes. I, I think um, with O'Hara, I hit on a small town that and. What I'm doing there is giving people a glimpse into people's lives that they mm-hmm. wouldn't normally get, get to see or even think that there are people like that that live in New Zealand, really. So, and I, th- I think for me, that's that's what I like. It's sort of it's almost like you're hunting with the the camera, yeah, and just just finding things. So, so th- those images of O'Hara, that I sort of they were more like portrait images in in a way, but still showing their environment. So, so that's that's how I treated it. it was it was at a, at a stage where I had well, look, was looking for something different as far as photography was going for personal work. I'd been doing a lot of digital composite work and and things like that, and I I actually just had enough of it to be honest, and was just starting mm-hmm. to just you know just starting to really get pulled away from doing personal projects or 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 that type of imagery and. So O'Hara came along and I just decided I'm going to shoot it like I used to shoot in film days and that's not go out and just keep taking, you know, three or 400 shots, you know, like you can do with digital because it's it's free. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just decided to be very precise with what I was doing and just shoot, you know, compose something and, and shoot it and sort of move on. So, so just tried to discipline myself to thinking in those old school methods. Well, and, and I can see composition is really important to you. I'm guessing this just by looking at your your work. It seems like composition is really important because it's like things that you have included that maybe some people would have not included. Like it tells more of the story. Like this one where the woman, it's funny because I was just giving, okay, now I'm kind of, I was giving critique in my Facebook group and someone had cut the woman off right at the waist. So she looked very cut off and it just didn't look right compositionally. But now I'm looking at this woman here. She has like the knit beanie on and the flannel and she's cut at the waist, but it makes so much sense the way you did that because you included also the clothes hanging. Like it just works in that way. You know, it's like, I don't know. It just seems like the composition is something that makes a lot of these images really cool too. Yeah, so I, I think... Um... It's, it's the old saying, really. It's putting order in the chaos of something, isn't it? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I sort of find myself organising things, and and I actually quite like the structure 
of of those images where you can your eye can just roam around and look at every little detail. That's of that what I've been doing. Life. I'm like, wow, and it just tells such a story about each of these people. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. So, so that's that's something is just keeping. But by instinct, I just kept everything reasonably sharp in them, so you, your eye could roam around and look at the detail. You can actually stare at somebody's life, and they're not staring back at you. But you know, also with a project like that, I sort of found that. Um, with personal projects, you can actually start to find yourself in images and start to understand who you are yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's sort of almost like that, you know, through the camera, you can start bearing your own soul or start figuring things out about your own life or, you know, because we all photograph things and maybe we don't understand why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it's that's something that I'm sort of just slowly digging in into myself now and just sort of finding out why, you know, I'm I'm drawn to certain things. Yeah, I think, you know, for people listening who might want to get into more documentary style, I I just, I wonder if it's just so important to take the surroundings, you know, just into play more, you know, just really look at what could be and should be included into the portrait, like this one that you have. And I feel bad that if people are listening, don't do it while you're driving, but make sure you go to Tony's website. It's Tony Carter dot co dot nz and then you can click on projects and you'll see it but in this one where this guy this guy has this like goofy grin on his face and you included the ceiling and i feel like the ceiling is very telling like there's something about the ceiling that i really love seeing in this and then behind his goofy smile there's like some like it looks like michael myers or some like horror film guy like right above his head (laughs) and it's just such a funny contradiction between his like goofy smile you know i don't know it's just cool it's really cool to look at yeah yeah, I think you sort of look at somebody's property and you can find out, you know, find features that for some reason you find interesting. It might be, a, like you say, a dirty ceiling that's never been, you know, washed for a long time. But but in saying that, I think you, you just got to make sure that you're, you're being respectful to the people mm-hmm. as well. Of course. It's, of it's, course. A bit of a, it's a bit of a tricky one. And, you know, with, with documentary projects like that, it's, you know, like um, for Ohura, I mean, I still go there now and I'm, I'm looking at doing a book of it. That's that's my next goal with with that. But it's it's just you're really gaining respect and just keep going back and, and digging deeper, just digging deeper and, and you know, making sure that you're, you know, you learn new things along the way that you can, that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think that you just, with photography and, and just life in general, you just have to keep, you know, growing and studying things, reading about it. You know, I started collecting photographers, photography from other photographers. Yeah. So it's just, just being immersed in, in something that you find interesting. And I think, you know, for me that's what my portrait business has given me the freedom to roam. Uh, it's given me financial freedom to be able to roam and do whatever I want really. And that's that's surely the key, or if it is for me, of, mm, of what life's all about. You know, yeah, same, same. That's something I've always said is that it's the one thing I'm most grateful for being an entrepreneur is the is the freedom, the freedom yes. to just design my life and my time and spend it with my kids and just travel and do all the things. You know, where I didn't have that before when I had that. You know, yes. a job. Sure. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah. Okay, I want to ask you something that's not quite as exciting, but I know some people are going to want to know, which is about your gear and, and you know, what you shoot with. And like you said, especially with some of this documentary stuff where most things are in focus, like 
you know, aperture wise, are you shooting like f14, f10? Like, you know, how are you? How are you shooting? I guess. Okay, I think the best comment I've had for somebody asking a photographer what they shoot on, and they said they just shot on a black camera. I thought that was quite. <laughs> I thought it was quite funny. I am not but, geared. <laughs> I am not a gear techie person. Like I yeah. have some old crap lenses that okay, they're not crap to me. Like other people might, yeah. be, you know, put their nose up at it, but to me, I love you know. But I know people are going to wonder. They like to know definitely yes. what so, people shoot with. So I, I sh- I'm, a, I'm a Nikon shooter, and I have been for a long time. And, and why that is, is just because I understand how they work. I don't necessarily like learning new things all the time like that. So, so to mm-hmm. me, if you can pick it up and it's intuitive to use, mm-hmm. that's great. And it, you know, if the gear gets out of your way and lets you take the images, all the better. But um, so. With as far as camera gear goes for a, a typical shoot for myself, I am very simple with my gear. I don't have any prime lenses that I use a lot. I, I do have an eighty-five one point four, but you know, to me, you know, a twenty-four to seventy two point eight lens to me is the lens that I use mainly for documentary. So that goes out wide, but not too wide that it distorts things. And I just find it's my go-to lens, and it's it's like I went to India in two thousand and seventeen, I think it was, and I took, you know, I, I thought about it for a long time, but in the end, I took one camera body and one lens, and that was the twenty-four to seventy. So I like to travel light and mm-hmm. um, more likely yeah, like, to use it. <laughs> no. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, but, you know, with, with my business side of things, I quite often use, you know, I use a 70 to 200, 2.8 lens as well for a lot of it, um, for your more traditional type um, portraits. But, yeah, like I say, I'm not, I'm not um, real big on gear. I have, you know, DSLRs, that's what I use, but I've also got a couple of mirrorless um, with the new Nikon Z9 which is um, quite a beautiful camera. So it's, mm-hmm. so maybe slowly changing over into that system, but, but you know, I, I don't really worry about that um, too much as long as what you're using gives you the results. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always best to spend money on educating yourself, learning new things yourself, than upgrading your gear all the time. Yeah. When you're doing your documentary, one, one last technical question, when you're doing your documentary work, okay, I know all things are important, but are you looking mostly at aperture, like in order to get the look that you want? Or let's say you need more light. Are you cranking up your ISO? Are you bringing down the shutter speed? Are, you know, like what's your kind of go-to for settings? Okay. I I treat everything quite differently like that. Um, but, you know, the, the beauty of like a lot, a lot of my earlier work was done on a tripod even with documentary work because of not being able to shoot at high ISOs because mm-hmm. of the grain. But now, you know, the grain is um, is so phenomenal and with modern cameras, you know, that it, it takes a, quite a bit to make, make right. a grainy image these right. days. So so I, I hand hold a lot more and, and I'm, you know, quite comfortable in, you know, pumping up the ISO. I'm a manual exposure shooter, so basically I don't use any auto features on my camera. Not even auto ISO. I like to maintain control over everything. So, but you know, I'm not saying anything against anybody that does it with their own system. Just whatever works. But I probably shoot a lot at um, like f five point six or f eight with documentary work. I don't shoot 
wide open too often because I I probably like to think that when I'm looking at an image, it's more how an eye sees it rather than looking like it's been taken by a machine, you know, by a camera. And if you're blowing the background real out of focus, it's taking away the storytelling part of the image. Yeah. Not always, but that's how I feel about it for my own work. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I love it. I love it. I think that's a really good um, like golden nugget there for someone who you know wants to shoot documentary style. Like, yeah, make it look like it came not from a machine. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this is great. I appreciate you talking, um, you know, just about everything with me. I do, I do have a couple more questions, though, before we end that I always ask uh, at the end of each episode, if you don't mind. Sure. And the first one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Oh, that is a good question. <laughs> I suppose, really, it's good light. Um, I struggle to photograph you know, people in midday sun and things like that. So to me, I will work around when the light's at its best. So if, if the light's, uh, you know, I really like early morning light or, or last light at, at night. So so I know you can shoot anywhere at any time of the day, but I, I just think having the right light and is something that um, I struggle with if I have to do a job and I know it's not at the best time of the day. Yeah, definitely, for sure. All right. Cool. Second question is, how do you spend your time when you're not working? I'm sort of totally immersed in photography. So I use it as, to me, it's a way of life. I am a photographer. That's what I do. You know, even with clients, I would sometimes say, I was doing this before I got paid to do <laughs> it. So, so we're, you know, I'm, I'm always wandering around, um, driving around in my car or on my motorbike, just looking at places and, and, finding ins to to meeting people so but if i'm not doing that i, I, I like riding my mountain bike and i and i i rode a, mic, a motorcycle as well so yeah so those are my things that i do in my downtime nice nice all right number three is what is your favorite inspirational quote i, I guess yeah I'm, I'm not really that big on quotes I'm not either. I'm with you. But, but <laughs> pro- 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 probably a big way of thinking about um, what I do is, is is just leaning into your curiosity. I think that's a just being curious and just leaning into it and just f- always just following what you do really and just digging deeper into, into something rather than having a shallow look, just dig deeper. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not really a quote, but that's just something that um, – No, it's very wise and important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. All right, number four is what would you tell people who are just starting out in this business? I would tell them to educate yourself in every way, to study body language and to enter competitions and just keep learning in, in whatever way you can get. Read books. Don't spread yourself too thinly as mm-hmm. far as what you're doing business-wise. F- find out actually what you, you like doing and then really find a niche and just go hard at that rather than trying to be a general purpose photographer. Just f- find out what you're good at and then really work hard to be the best at that. Yeah, love that. 
Awesome. And then where can people find you online if they're looking for you? Uh, so probably the best place at the moment because I'm just building a new website, which is <laughs> a big improvement Lots over of fun. what I've got. <laughs> yes, it's a lot of fun. Um, but probably um, Tony Carter 67 at Instagram is probably the, the best place to find okay, my current awesome. work. Very cool. Sweet. Well, thank you again. This was awesome. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-day startup challenge, plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and eight frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX 100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.